Welcome to Holy Cow, a Cubs podcast. I'm your host, Sean Holland. On this episode, we have Sadehev Sharma of The Athletic. He's the Cubs beat writer for The Athletic. And, um, you know, so he's in the clubhouse every day. And I ask him about a lot of different things. Uh, Chris Bryant's recovery, Hugh Darvish's recovery, uh, Pedro Strope, who has emerged as a team leader. And it's just, frankly, very entertaining. If you don't like Pedro Stropa, I don't know. I mean, I feel bad for you if you don't like him. Let me put it that way. But uh, Sadeheb is great, um, and I think you'll enjoy it. So here is Sadeheb Sharma. The Cubs have not been playing very well lately, to say the least. Very inconsistent play. They're 10-9 and nine in the second half. So... Um, what do you think the problem is for the Cubs recently? Oh, man, I think there's uh, numerous little issues. Uh, I wrote about uh, this morning how it's basically Javi, a little bit of Rizzo, and nobody else with any consistency. Uh, Javi's carrying the team at the moment uh, offensively, and, and uh, I mean, I think anybody that pays attention sees that as well. He's uh, He's been great. There's a reason why he's in, in the MVP conversation, and uh but it can't just be him. And and part of that is Chris Bryant's out and he's a superstar. Uh, I think uh, maybe he's gone underappreciated these last couple of years because after 2016, people tried to act like 2017 was a disappointment for him. And I think we're kind of seeing how important he is for the lineup because he's a consistent factor that he may not be, uh, you know, a superstar at every moment, but he's so consistent and so productive when he's out there and healthy that, he's just a force to be reckoned with and the lineup looks so much different. Uh, it, there's a lot of guys slumping. Uh, you can go up and down the lineup, but outside of Elmore, I mean, outside of Rizzo and Javi, it's everyone slumping. I, I mean, Ian half slumping. Kyle Schwarber had a nice game the other day, but he's in general slumping. Uh, Elmore is slumping. Wilson Contreras is doing all right, but I'd like to see a lot more power. I don't know why the power isn't there consistently for him, but it just hasn't been there uh, regularly. And that's, you know what, that I'll, I'll say that that's fine for him because he's a catcher, and sometimes catchers go through these learning processes where they're focusing so much on defense that they're not this complete package that you know they can be on, on offense. But there's a lot of issues on offense right now. But honestly, I don't think that's the biggest problem. The biggest problem is the pitching. Uh, why did they struggle to win those games against the Padres over the weekend? It was the pitching the Sunday. Uh, I was a little frustrated that, that the whole story became Angel Hernandez because that's not the story. That's not, that doesn't matter to the Cubs season at all. Uh, Angel Hernandez is not going to decide whether the Cubs win the world series or not this year. John Lester will have a big impact on that. Uh, and he does not look as good as he can be, uh, Anyone that, you know, looks at advanced stats was predicting this. I'd like to take a, a middle road there and say that I believe John Lester is the type of pitcher who can outperform his peripherals. I also think some things needed to change and either he needed to miss more bats or walk fewer batters. And uh, I think the latter is more realistic. I don't think he's I think he knows it. I think uh, watching him, uh, you can tell that he's not he's not a guy that's going to miss bats. 
So he needs to be a guy that doesn't walk guys. He needs to, the his max, if he's going to strike out one, two, three guys at uh, an outing, I don't want to see more than one walk. It can't be more than one walk. I don't care how good the Cubs defense is. It's not going, it's not a reasonable way to sustain success. Uh, so I think, I, I think that's a big issue going forward. Let's see how John Lester, uh, performs. I think, uh, I, I think there's few guys out there in baseball that you could trust to kind of fix that, right? You know that he's not right there. He's not where at his best. He's not performing as you want him to, but you can trust him to figure it out, to get it right, to put in the work, to do it all, to, to get back to where, how he looked in the first half. Like I said, the peripherals weren't great in the first half, but I think he can find a way to kind of make it work. So it's really the starting pitching and the offense just needs to stop with these funks. It, it, it can't, it, they cannot be that team. Uh, I thought they were past it. I thought they kind of turned a corner and then they come back after the all-star break. And Joe wondered, I asked Joe, what, what do you think it is? Uh, Cause he admitted it. And if you listen to Joe, uh, there, go look at a bunch of his uh, quotes from the post game. He, he used words like vanilla after a, a game in, in St. Louis, uh, yesterday, I wish I had the exact quote, but he basically said it was hobby and, and the rest was, uh, uninteresting or something like that. It, it the, I wish I had the exact wording, uh, off the top of my head, but it was basically a suggestion that they, they just don't they don't look like the team that they were pre-break. Uh, they were on a nice little run. They were playing well and they just don't, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to talk about body language or effort. I don't think that's what it is, but they do. It just feels uninspiring. <laughs> so uh, I, I'm a little, uh, I'm a little thrown off by how they're, how, how they're performing on offense. Joe said, maybe it has to do with, you know, uh, he, he admitted he doesn't know, but maybe it was, they saw the wind blowing out of Wrigley and they got a little too full of themselves and tried to, you know, pull the ball out of the ballpark every single time, because he said that he didn't think anybody outside of really hobby was going opposite field. And, and I looked at the numbers and he's right. Since also break their 24th in baseball, as far as uh, ranking for uh, or second, sorry, they, they were 24th in baseball from a period of time before, like June 24th is when I felt like the offense started to look like itself up until the all-star break. They were 24th in baseball in uh, percentage of balls pulled uh, per plate per plate appearance. And then from the all-star break to now they're second in baseball. And then you look at their runs per game, it's down about two runs per game from during that, that span before the all-star break to the span from the all-star break to now. So it's, it's completely different offense starting fishing, which has been an issue all year. Uh, come uh, add that up with the injuries to three huge players. And it's, and it's just this listless, uh, you know, completely average performance that we've seen since the, since the break. And it, remarkably, it's enough to be the best team in that L it doesn't yeah. make much sense. Uh, it, it's, it's not panic time, but my whole premise has been, you cannot win the world series. If, if you're going to play like this, uh, not saying you can't change. We've seen teams win 80 something games and win the world series. So all I, I'm not saying it won't change. I'm not saying, uh, I'm not saying they're a bad team. I'm saying it has to change for them to win the world series. Otherwise we're going to be talking about a disappointing uh, postseason or a team that fails to make the postseason. Yeah. It's kind of weird that like in the past couple of years, it's been the pre all-star break where they've just looked very, you know, listless and like this. And then they hit the second half and they take off. This year, it's like the first that going into the All Star break, they look great, and now they're listless coming out of it. It's kind of yeah. weird. 
Well, and I, I was talking about this with some other writers. Normally, you know, they have that, uh, they get that rejuvenation. They, they had Jose Quintana, right? And that rejuvenated them. I thought maybe Cole Hamels would give them that little kick. I thought uh, that win against the Diamondbacks when Bodie hit the two-run shot and then Rizzo walked it off, maybe that would give them a little kick. It hasn't happened. You know, every single supposed uh, turning point moment that we think we're seeing uh, isn't leading to anything positive the next day. Uh, And, you know, you always say momentum's as good as the next day starting pitcher all that good stuff, but you need, you need a little uh, pick me up every now and then. And I'm surprised that, that they haven't uh, really gone on a run. Uh, really? I think I, I don't want to put too much on any one player, but uh, I, I'd like to see Rizzo just go off, just go off on a Matt Carpenter type run. Uh, and, and that's the type of thing that they need. Maybe it doesn't have to be Rizzo. It could be someone else. It could be Schwarber. It could be, you know, it, it could be Wilson Contreras. But I, I, like that's just the guy I'd love to see him just go. Not that he's been bad. He's been very good. He's been very good since uh, he moved to the leadoff spot. But I really would like to see someone other than Javi just go off on, on a ridiculous run and just kind of carry the team for two weeks while they wait for Bryant to get healthy. And then the lineup will look so much different. I know it's one guy, but I think we all are seeing just how much of an impact he has and how different the lineup looks when he's there. Yeah. And you know, actually it's going to bring me that some of the injury updates, uh, Chris Bryant has not done any activities, baseball activities recently, but is there any progress on him or is he just still resting? Well, it sounds like he's feeling better. I saw him uh, yesterday, briefly talked to him. I don't like, you know, if, unless he's doing an actual interview, I don't like bugging these guys too much uh, and, and digging deep into it. But I just asked him how he's feeling and how the shoulder feels. And he said it feels good. Uh, and I, I think that's all you can really go with right now. It's, it is completely day-to-day with him. It's basically come in, run some tests, see how it's feeling. Is it better? Is it worse? It's been feeling better lately. He, they, they ran uh, the trainer ran some tests a few d- tests a few days ago last weekend, and there was some discomfort there. So they're like, okay, not ready to swing. The next day or two days later, they ran the same test. It felt better, felt stronger. There's so, so there, that's progress. It, there's it's baby steps right now. I also think that they are. I I haven't confirmed this, but I think part of this, why it's such a slow play with these guys is they are the best team in the NL as far as record goes. Uh, there's not a reason to rush right now. If they were five games back of, of a playoff spot, I wonder if this would be handled a little differently. I, I don't know that for sure, but I do wonder how differently would this be handled if you were, if you're out, if you're, you know, desperate for wins. And, and right now you're going through a stretch with San Diego and Kansas city. And then you face a struggling Washington team. I know Washington has been playing better. I would be concerned about that series to be frank, but just the way they, they, they've been playing, maybe they, these next two games, they look completely different, but uh, I, I think we can all agree. They don't look like the team that we know they can be. Uh, so yeah, I, I think Brian, I'm not, I, I know there's reason for concern and I get why fans are, are concerned about that. The fact that he's adamant that he's not out for this season, that he believes that he can be an impactful player at some point this season, I think are all positive signs. Uh, this isn't uh, a, doesn't sound like an injury that requires surgery in the offseason. I think that's a positive sign. So I think it makes sense to take it slowly. 
the reality is we just have no timeline because it is truly, let's figure this out every day that he comes in and go from there. We have a treatment plan. We have things we want to do and goals we, they want to meet, but no real, like he's taking swings today. Uh, there was a possibility that, uh, what day is today? Today's Tuesday, yesterday on Monday that he, he was going to take some grounders and that was strictly that had nothing to do with progress. It was, uh, got to stay in baseball shape, but I didn't see him out there taking grounders. So I'm not sure if he did, uh, but perhaps this week he'll start doing stuff like that just so he stays in shape. Yeah. And you do get the sense, I don't know, like they would say this, but you wonder if he did come back too, too soon the first time. Now, like you said, it's a day to day thing, but you do wonder if like he rushed himself back before and he just wasn't right when he came back. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I think he felt right. And I think there was a, uh, I, I mean, if you notice, Joe was being super cautious with using him too. He was giving him extra days off and stuff like that. He didn't play both games of that double header. I want to say, uh, but you're right. Uh, they, I don't know if it was rushed as much as, okay, I'm feeling good. Let's do this. Uh, this, maybe this will be the best I feel type thing, or maybe, you know, yeah, I feel it a little bit, but let's just go. I can play. And he remember he had a home run his uh, first game back. Uh, so it, it almost seemed like, Oh, he's fine. But yeah, he, he never it, pretty much after that. I don't, I don't recall him driving the ball. I think he uh, hit a home run and a blowout against the Cardinals. Uh, and that was it. Uh, I don't like just, I mean, people are watching him. People see this guy every day, When he plays, he drives the ball. He hits the ball hard consistently out or not. It's, it's a hard hit ball. He's a, he's a special player that every time at the plate, you think he can, he can do something great. And he wasn't doing that uh, either before he went down with injury for the first time, or even when he returned, there just was no consistency with the power. And that, that just makes him look like a different player. I don't know if he'll get back to that player this year. He's adamant that he will. Uh, but I also think that him being just about 75, 80% would be as long as he's not doing anything detrimental to his body. If he can come back and be about 80%, I think that's a big boost. I think that's a huge asset to this team. Yeah. So another guy that's going, going to throw a simulated game tomorrow is a uh, you Darvish. So they're feeling much better about them, it sounds like, than they did a couple weeks ago. Yeah, this sounds uh, uh, much better. This sounds uh, suddenly we're getting a little bit more information. He's a lot more engaged. He seems uh, – he just seems more positive about anything. Uh, I don't want to say that the A-Rod thing was a good thing. Uh, I don't like people – uh, spreading false rumors like that and 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 trying to talk about a club, clubhouse atmosphere that's just completely false. Uh, but maybe it worked out. Maybe maybe in some way this is going to be a good thing in the sense that it, it ticked off the right people in the clubhouse. It, it kind of threw Darvish for a loop in the sense like what what's going on here. And it almost maybe motivated him to say, this is not true. And I'm going to, and uh, I'm, I'm going to go out and prove it. Uh, I don't know if he needed that. I don't, I don't know. I, I'm just kind of, this is just kind of a little bit of speculation, but I do know ever since that happened, he's been, uh, he's been kind of funny with us. He's been a lot more open and he's, he's clarified things when we've kind of pushed him 
on wait, what does that mean? And he's more open. He's more willing to discuss things. And, and I appreciate that. I appreciate, you know, cause there's a language barrier and it's hard to, uh, when he says pain, uh, that means, I think that means something very different to us than it may mean to him. Uh, because pain is a huge red flag uh, for a reporter when you're talking to an athlete. And I think he just sometimes he means soreness. He mentioned his back uh, treatment on his back the other day. And that immediately, you know, I was like, whoa, wait, what's going on here? Back? And because uh, he's had back issues in the past. But he was clear. He, we followed up multiple times, tried to clarify, making sure that we're not missing anything here. It was all like standard maintenance, body maintenance that they do when someone's rehabbing. And when they did work on his back, that he's not sure if that led to something or if it, or if it was just randomness. But he's been feeling better ever since then. Zero pain since then. I think the fact that there's zero pain, we can talk about what what made it happen, whether whether A Rod somehow inspired him or not, or whether the back stuff uh, uh, did anything or not. All that matters is that there's no pain right now, and we're on the right track. Uh, and it, this is definitely the most optimistic anyone around the team or uh, you has sounded in a while. Uh, I was there in South Bend, and it did not. It gave me one of those vibes that something is up here, but he didn't out and out say it, so I can't go out and 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 proclaim it. You know what I mean? Uh, but there was something up. I could tell. And obviously, uh, when he threw in L.A., he, he couldn't, you know, he couldn't finish his side session. So something was up at that time. But it was it was an odd vibe because when he told us that he was we asked him, oh, yeah. And someone asked him, oh, it seemed like you threw a lot of cutters. And he said, I didn't throw a cutter. I was like, well, what were you throwing at 90 miles per hour? Oh, that was my fastball. He doesn't throw a 90 mile per hour fastball. That's a huge, huge issue. Uh, so I, especially when he did hit 94 early. So clearly something was up then. So I think all these little things we're, we're not seeing these red flags right now. We're, they're not there. They're it's positive news. I, I say, ride it until, until, you know, we can't, you know what I mean? Uh, what tomorrow? So we have Wednesday, a couple innings. I think it's just going to be, uh, Oh, facing there will be facing live hitters. Uh, I believe they they called it a bullpen session, a bullpen no, wait, live BP. That's what they called it. It's going to be live BP, uh, about two innings worth, uh, which isn't much more than what he did last time. But I, I do wonder if uh, if it go if it's more pitches. Uh, I think it's just a step in the right direction. So if you're going two ish innings. Uh, you know, we can project this out to what, you know, another saw another bullpen a couple days from now, and then another, uh, uh, live VP, uh, five days from Wednesday. And then, and then you start talking rehab after that. And then how many rehabs starts? So we're talking about, let's say five days, 10 days, 15 days, two ish weeks, that's really optimistic. I'd say the most optimistic thing is two ish weeks. He'll wrap, he'll, he'll be wrapping up his second rehab start. So, you know, I'm completely uh, going off uh, the top of my head and, and, uh, and speculating, but, uh, I think that would be an optimistic. What's the date today? It's August 7th. So the yeah, 21st, yeah. So the 21st would be, uh, maybe wrapping up his second start his second rehab start so that you go uh push it another five days and say late august 
he returns. That would be the most optimistic scenario. And I think the realistic scenario is sometime around Labor Day. Yeah. So um, that's a couple things about like, so, you know, uh, the language barrier is important. Like you does speak English, but he does not feel competent enough to in interview speak English, which you understand. So yeah. there's like a, a language barrier, but like when you ask him the questions, he understands when you ask him before the translation happens, right? Or- for the for the most part, sometimes it's translated for clarity, but yeah, there are times when he'll respond right away, and you can tell, or he'll just say yes or no. You know, he won't even need the translator. And when he was walking away, when he joked about the A Rod comment that uh, everyone uh, saw about how you know he'll have you t- do you plan on talking to A Rod? He responded in Japanese, saying something to the effect of uh, if he texts me. I will, uh, I'll screenshot it, print it, and frame it. <laughs> and, and, you know, they got a good laugh from all of us. And, uh, and then as he was walking away, he said, I'm not joking, in English. So, uh, so he, you know, he's, he's got a sense of humor. He can speak English. But I understand. I completely understand why you don't want to be misunderstood. The problem is sometimes he is a little misunderstood. Uh, I, I don't think that has anything to do with... Uh, that's nothing other than, you know, uh, sometimes when you're translating, that's just how it works. Uh, I don't think it'd be better if he was speaking in English because I do think it's not perfect English. And uh, there will be times where he's based where he means one thing and it comes out another way. It happens with, uh, you know, Dominican players, Venezuelan players. I, I There are times where I double check and, and I make sure I said, hey, that sounds like you're saying this. I'm not. Is that what you mean? You know, I don't want there there's you know when english is your second language there are times i mean i i barely speak spanish you know i and i know that i'll say things in spanish that that make no sense and i'm terrible i have awful spanish so so i understand like there this is you know this isn't their first language it there's it's hard and english is a really hard language so i i you know i i don't uh blame them for any of this it's 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 not an easy way uh, every single thing you say is scrutinized, so uh, it's important that it's clarified as best as possible. Yeah, you know, I guess we'll, we'll touch on that a little bit more. This A Rod, these comments about, you know, you you Darvish causing like problems in the clubhouse and stuff. Uh, you're in the clubhouse most days. It just doesn't seem like what the team is like. But is that a fair assessment by me? Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. Um, is there frustration that he's hurt? Yes. Like, I, I don't understand how there couldn't be. You know what I mean? Like, this is a guy that was supposed to be a big part of their team. But it's not, like, frustration, like, screw this guy type thing. You know what I mean? It's just frustra- general frustration. It's there's, there's no blame being thrown around. There's nobody saying, well, we don't like this guy because he's not on the field. Uh, it's... There, there is a, but that's natural, you know. When, when you're not, when, when a guy's not out there, it's a, you wish he was out there. Uh, but uh, there's, there, the stuff about the clubhouse falling apart or about to fracture. Come on, that's, it's not even close to the truth. Uh, this, whether, um, whether anyone's like talking bad about him or anything like that. You know, there's all there's all sorts of uh, stuff like that happening in general, but it's not the type of stuff. When I say that, I mean like, you know, there are players who don't like other players as much, right? 
it's just it's just a normal human nature thing. It has nothing to do with Cubs being better than than whatever uh, clubhouse culture. It's just that, that that stuff happens, but it has nothing to do with you, Darvish, being like toxic or anything like that. So yeah, no, this isn't a clubhouse that's a on the precipice of falling apart. This isn't a clubhouse that that's, you know, furious at you Darvish. I think a lot of it was kind of looked at. I mean, you can read between the lines with Theo Epstein's comments. Uh, maybe late June, he was talking about how there's no structural damage. So I don't think it's going to affect how we go about the trade deadline when talking about Darvish. And then June, July 20th, completely different tune. He completely changed his tune. He said, we have to, he's like, we have to go about it, expecting him not to make another pitch essentially. So what he was saying, so they, they had accepted that, Hey, we don't know what's going to happen. We need to, maybe he doesn't make another, throw another pitch for us this season. I, I think you, I think that's the smart way to go about it. Right. So it was, it wasn't that, uh, they'd, it wasn't that they they had any uh, animosity towards him. It was more that hey, we have to we may have to do this without him type thing. Do you understand? That's not like a negative towards him. It's just a kind of facing reality. Yeah, exactly. And the thing that really galled me about the whole thing was here's Arod going on for like I don't know five minutes about the dysfunction in the Cubs clubhouse when they're playing the Cardinals. <laughs> yeah. The clubhouse is very much dysfunctional right now. It might even cost Mike Matheny his job. So, yeah, they, I mean, they're, they're so I'm not in the Cardinals clubhouse, but I've read enough and talked to enough people that there were there were so many issues there. Uh, I hopefully that for them it's 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 calmed down and they've figured some things out. But yeah, that did not seem like a good environment. So you're you're absolutely right. All right. So now I'll um, kind of close out here in a on a fun question. Uh, so the the team they had another theme uh, road trip, and it was a uh, dress like Pedro Strope, and I mean now like from the outside I love Pedro Strope, but it seems like his teammates also really love him. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, I can't even tell you. I mean, I I did a piece on him earlier this year. Talked to a few teammates. They absolutely respect him so much. The guy is a uh, so joyful. Uh, I talked to him about it. I mean, you see it, you, you see it. If you're in that clubhouse, he's so boisterous. So he's loud in a, in a good way. You know, he, he comes in, says hello to everyone, jokes around with people, has nicknames for people, you know, toss a little smack to someone or whatever it is. He's having fun at almost all times. And I talked to him about it and he said, it's, it's something that he's focused on for much of his career. He doesn't, he life isn't perfect. Baseball isn't perfect. Uh, but when you come into the clubhouse, it's a new day. Whatever. If he's having trouble with his family life, if he uh, blew a save or blew a lead, uh, the night before, none of that can matter. Uh, because everybody has troubles. Everybody has their issues. And he's the, he wants to make sure that he can kind of brighten it up for whoever may be down at that moment. I, I, I love that attitude. I think his teammates appreciate that a ton uh, a guy like, uh, you know, a guy like John Lester had great things to say about him. Uh, so many, like, uh, Randy Rosario, uh, loves him, just looks up to him. 
it, it's fun to see guys like that. The young guys, the older guys, everyone loves him. Uh, uh, doesn't matter what your cultural background is. He gets along with everyone. If you speak Spanish, if you speak English, he's, he's one of those. And that's, you know, sometimes those factions develop in the clubhouse, right? There's the Spanish speaking guys are all hanging out and speaking Spanish together. That's not like a, anything bad. It's just like, you know, they're, they have similar backgrounds and uh, and they speak uh, the same language, so they're just shooting the shit and that uh, and and uh, trying to you know just hanging out type thing. But uh, Pedro gets along with everyone, and he's just he's just such a good guy. And it's really and it's uh, it's great to you look at the results. I mean, just look at his numbers year in year out. Sub three ERA for a reliever that doesn't happen. That's not normal in baseball. Relief pitchers are the most volatile uh, players in baseball year to year. Go look at who was great last year. Go look at who's great this year. It's very few numbers of players, pitchers that, that consistently are at the top. And, and Strope has done it now. I want to say this is year six, six years. That's remarkable. Uh, I mean, he deserves all the props in the world for how good he's been and the, the attitude that he brings every day, the, how he's emerged as a leader, how yesterday when Javi was moping in the in the clubhouse after going over two and there's a rain delay and he struck out twice looking like the old version of Javi just, you know, flailing away at terrible pitches. And, and, and Strope basically yells at him and says, stop moping. Go out there and get two more hits. You're going two for four today, and you're going to win this game for us. And he did. I mean, that's great. You know, that's that's a guy that, you know, has the respect of his teammates, can motivate his teammates, can can get in their face when when need to be. When He's the one that got mad at uh, Hobby when Hobby threw the bat in the air uh, against the Pirates, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and Clint Hurdle had all that nonsense to say, but but – it was stroke that told him, Hey, that's a bad look. You don't need to do that. And got mad at him. And, and that's, that's a leader. That's a, it's a rare attribute that you can do that, uh, as a reliever, but it's, it's kind of cool that he, he can. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. It's like, he really does like, especially this year, seem like he's really emerged as like one of the main team leaders. And it's, yeah, it's impressive to see. Yeah, I think the the reality was he kind of was before, but we just didn't talk about it as much because there were other guys that were kind of there's it's just not traditional for a reliever to be a leader. And he's not like the team leader, but he's he's got a huge role on this team. And, and I think he's becoming a little bit more vocal with certain guys that he has a connection with. So it's it's definitely he's got those traits and uh and I even remember when we asked Joe, I, I want to say I'm remembering this correctly, but we asked him last, you know, cause Ross was gone. So everybody's like, who's the leader, who's the leader at different points of the year would ask him. And he listed off a bunch of players and he mentioned stroke. It was like five players that he mentioned. And in that list was stroke. So he was there. He was, he's a guy that has those uh, qualities, but it's just coming more to the forefront now, I believe. And, and we're hearing about it more. And especially because he, I think he's having a major impact on hobby and we're seeing, and you know, hobby's the toast of the town right now. And, and how could he not be, how could you not enjoy just, you know, just it, how, yeah, it's impossible not to just rebel in what Javi's uh, doing on the field right now. It's pretty special. Yeah, and you know, so like I mean, you'd say a Rizzo, uh, Jason Hayward. Who else would you say would be? 
Yeah, I mean, it, it it's an interesting dynamic. I'd say, uh, you know, Zobrist has some leadership uh, attributes. It's all different, and, and, it, and it comes out in different ways. Uh, Hayward, uh, I mean, uh, Schwarber and Half both have those types of qualities, but I don't know if they fully emerged. When you're younger and you're trying to and you're trying to find your footing, it's it's a little different. But uh, that's why they love Happen and Schwarber so much is because they believe they can be leaders in the future. I think uh, Rizzo, it was kind of placed upon him, and he wasn't really ready for it. I think this year uh, he may be on the verge of actually being more than just anointed leader, if you know what I mean. It's that was yeah. more yeah. A, a, um, a narrative than a reality, but I think it's becoming more of a reality now. Uh, so, yeah, I think those would be the guys. It's it's. There's no clear-cut guy, and I don't think there has to be with a team like this that's been around, that's been together for so long. Uh, so as long as the culture is, is good and nobody's uh, – and, and the right people are there to make sure that uh, – if there is any negative negativity around, they can they can nip it in the bud quickly. Yeah, well, I'll ask one final question, and this one's kind of to pump myself up because <laughs> I have an article coming out today about um, Albert Elmora for Cubs Insider, and it's just you know he's been slumping a lot lately, and I I wondered like early in the year it seemed like Joe was using him very wisely, giving him good starts to succeed. And as he did well, he started getting put in more situations that were maybe a little more unfavorable to him. And now he's kind of dropped off. And I wonder if, like, you think maybe they have been using him too much? Yeah, I, you know, I think he earned it. It's one of those things where uh, you have to reward the player. I get what you're saying, and I agree with it. Uh, it's why I warned against the, you know, free Almora crowd they wanted Elmore there every day, and I get it. He, he's earned his time to play more often, uh, but this is the consequence of it. He's a, he's a flawed offensive player. Uh, I think he's a good player. He's a great defender, and I get and that was my main contention when when it got to the point where uh, it was just clear that he could handle himself every day in the center. I was like, okay, I think it makes sense. He can. He's not a liability on offense, and he can handle himself. Uh, my bigger issue is don't bat him second against a righty, especially a righty with any sort of a breaking ball. Uh, you know, play if you want to play him more often and play him every day, bat him eighth bat, or wherever you're not, you know, bat him seventh if you're batting the pitcher eighth, bat him ninth, whatever. I I, I can handle all that, but I, yeah, yeah, you're not wrong. It's it's he's being exposed because Joe. Uh, I think Joe's kind of being proven right. Uh, there were people that that acted like uh, we were all Joe defenders. Uh, maybe, because I would say, people are like, see, look at how well he's doing against this righty. I'm like, well, that's because he's slowly, he's allowed him to develop. He's, he's put him in the right spots. He he built his confidence by playing him against lefties and then playing him against righties who were fastball heavy. And then he slowly introduced him to other, uh, you know, tougher righties. And he had some success. But there were also a hundred different, you know, signs that that, that wasn't going to last because I mean, this guy—he's an aggressive hitter. He doesn't take walks, and he and he just—he relies so much on Babbitt. He doesn't have power. He needs to find holes. Uh, so you know, like I said, he's a good player, but he has flaws on offense. 
So he was never going to be – it would have had to be one of those crazy batted years that, that do happen uh, for him to, you know, hit 330 or whatever it was before because that, that just wasn't sustainable. Yeah, and, you know, on my end of things, I'm sure – like, and I don't get that many people reading my articles and stuff when I do, like, a preview or recap, but the outcry when Almora wasn't in the lineup in one of my – when I'd read a preview would be, like, how could Almore? And it was like they were very upset. And I'm thinking, I mean, Almore is good, but and I know for you, you you got more act, so more people are tweeting at you and stuff. But it must have been bad for you too. But it's like, yes, Almore is good, but I mean, he's not the greatest player ever. Can we? Yeah, no, I, I get it. It's you know, uh, it's easy to fall in love with certain players, and when you're not watching baseball every day, or it's not your life, or you know, you just don't, or you don't follow the stats or you know you just see batting average you're like yeah that guy's good play him more uh, I get it uh, to a certain extent but you know there, there are other factors involved here that you have to pay attention to and, and understand that uh, I mean this is this is who he is this is who he was supposed to be this isn't some shock uh, that that this is who he is you know there was there was some hope that he could grow into more power but it really hasn't manifested so I mean that's what happens that's how player development ends up but he's still the fact is he's a major leaguer on a first place team that is capable enough to play every day like I never want I want to always be clear that when I criticize a player or, her, or when I point out their flaws that this isn't me ripping them these these guys are the best of the best and and they deserve all the credit in the world for that but it also they do have flaws they, they're not perfect players some of them are superstars some of them are uh, MVP candidates to copy bias some of them are just very good you know roll 50 players and that's perfectly acceptable that's that's a great thing to have on your team you need those guys to fill out your roster yeah exactly that's the one like you can criticize Joe for a lot of like, especially some of the in-game stuff he does, you know, that's sometimes interesting, but he's very good at handling players and usually putting them in a position to succeed. So, yeah, no, I completely agree on that. He does a great job. He won't put a player in a position that where they're overmatched and this is just going to make them look bad. He doesn't do that. Uh, He really knows how to develop position players he's really good at that and uh and i i generally uh approve of the way he puts together a lineup i think right now i'll be honest i don't love the lineup right now the what it's been day to day but i think a lot of that has to do with injuries and ineffectiveness by certain guys and it's just kind of a weird lineup right now but it's also I, i don't put too much thought into it as long as you have your best players up top uh, near the top in some order, so that's why that's why I kind of say like Elmore against righties can't be at the top. You know, I don't want him. I don't want to see him getting you know that extra bad in the two hole against a righty. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah. Well, I guess that's a good place to end it on. And thank you for coming on my podcast. Of course. Thanks for having me. Yeah. No problem. Uh, you can follow Shadaheb Sharma Sharma at. Shadeheb Sharma on Twitter. Um, you can follow me at STH85 on Twitter. If you have any questions for the podcast, you can send me a message on Twitter at my handle, or you can email me at holycowpod at gmail.com. Holycowpod at gmail.com. 
My uh, article I mentioned about Albert Omora is available on Cubs Insider. Shouldn't be that hard to find. Just Cubs Insider and look for an article about Albert Omora. And um, until we have another show soon, thank you for listening. <laughs>